As you know, we have been talking together for the last few weeks about how we might live a life that outlives us, living a life that outlives me. There will be a time for all of us when the heart stops beating and the lungs stop moving and life in this body is done. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we had used the time we had in such a way that our influence, our impact, our legacy might continue for kingdom purposes even after the body stops, how we might outlive me. Well, we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to continue that discussion together in just a moment. We'll be in Acts chapter 8. But before we get to that, I want to ask you to do something for me this morning. If you are in favor, if you like vaccines... Would you move to this side of the room? And those of you who don't like vaccines, would you move to this side of the room? No? Let's do this. If you watch Fox News, would you move to this side of the room? If you watch CNN and CBS, would you go to this side of the room? If you are male, would you move over here? Female. Move over. If you were born in the West area, move over here. If you are one of those transplants, move over here. By the way, I'm a transplant. That's why I did it that way. If you make more than 50000 a year, sit on one side. Less, sit on the other. How would you feel if you had entered the sanctuary today and we had a section for white people and a section for African-American people and a section for Asian people and a section for Hispanic people and a section for indigenous peoples. If you were raised Baptist, sit up front in in the good pews. If you were raised in some other denomination, we have a separate section for you. You see the point? It's so easy for us to divide ourselves. I really think that that defines American culture today. We find how we are divided. We look for walls. And if there aren't enough walls, we build them ourselves. We live by labels. Which side you're on is more important to me than who you are. We are a wall-building people. But I want to say to you this morning that what we learn from Acts chapter 8 is that if we are going to be able to live a life that outlives me, we're going to have to be committed to breaking down the walls. You see, if if I wall myself in, then when my life is over, so is my influence. So is my ministry, my impact. But if in life I have knocked down those walls and expanded my influence, shared my love, 
if, if I have knocked down those walls and built connections, well, then there, there is a part of me that continues even when my life is done. Jesus was all about breaking down walls. In John chapter 4, he meets a Samaritan woman. Now, there are two walls already. For one thing, she was a woman and men didn't talk to women. For another thing, she was a Samaritan and Jews didn't talk to Samaritans. So there was absolutely no cultural reason for him to have a conversation with this person. And yet, he took time to tear down a wall or two and have a conversation that changed an entire community. You thought I was going to say it changed her life, and it did. But then her life was so changed that she went to the community and shared it with them. He tore down the wall. He was so good at that. He's walking down the street. There are people everywhere wanting to hear him. And there was that hated tax collector, that short, little, no good, dishonest thief. He had to climb a tree because he couldn't even see. People back then would not have anything to do with tax collectors because tax collectors were legally dishonest. The law provided them the opportunity to take what they wanted, basically. That's oversimplifying, but that's basically the problem. A huge wall between normal, everyday, honest, hardworking people and those sorry, no good tax collectors. And Jesus tore down the wall and he said, Zach, come down. We're going to have dinner together. He was good at tearing down walls. Back then, if somebody got a disease called leprosy, they had to stay separate from everyone. Matter of fact, if you're walking down the street, if you have leprosy, you see somebody on the other side, you have to yell out, leper, leper, stay away from me. I'm unclean. Don't come over here. People wouldn't have any contact with lepers because you didn't want to get the disease. And yet when it became time for Jesus to minister to the leper, he not only tore down the wall, but he reached his hand over where that wall used to be and touched the leper. Now, Jesus, being the almighty God, could have healed that man any way he wanted. We have seen in the Gospels, Jesus healed other people long distance. He wasn't in their proximity at all, and yet by his own will and by his just speaking it into existence, they were healed. He could have done it that way, but he knew this leper needed a touch. He needed human contact, and Jesus tore down the wall and touched him and healed him. Where Jesus was, the walls came tumbling down. And we see the same thing in those first church leaders. When the church was just being born and just, just beginning to spread its influence in the world, we see those kinds of people who would tear down walls and thereby outlive their own lives let me show you examples in, in chapter 8 of the book of Acts. Starting in verse 5, we meet Philip. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them 
the Christ. Did you notice where he went? I already told you that Jews didn't have anything to do with Samaritans. Jesus broke the mold when he spoke to the Samaritan woman. Now here is Philip, and he's not just speaking to a woman by herself. He goes right up into the town. He goes right up into the middle, the headquarters of the enemy, if you will. He tears down the walls that would once separated Jews from Samaritans. Samaritan, think of Samaritans as half Jew, half Gentile. There's a whole history there that we won't take time for this morning, but there's a whole history there that made the Jews feel like these people were traitors. They were worse than half-breeds. And, and so Jews wouldn't have anything to do with these people, and yet here is Philip went down to the city of Samaria, proclaimed to them the Christ, that is, the Messiah, And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. They paid attention. He got their attention because he tore down the wall and he spoke to them the gospel. Jump down to verse 12 and you see the rest of the story. Verse 12 of chapter 8. But when they believed Philip, As he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Another wall has come tumbling down. As he breaks the barrier and speaks to those who are different than he is, he he tears down the walls of bigotry and racism and even sexism, and he speaks to them about the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they came to know the Lord and were baptized, and the wall came tumbling down. Well, we continue in chapter 8, and we see Philip again, beginning in verse 26. In 26 of this great chapter, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south, to the road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza, This is a desert place. Now hang on to that. This is a desert place. What do you see in the desert? You see dirt, sand, dry. What do you not see? Water. Hang on to the fact that he took time. Dr. Luke took time to tell us that this road was a desert place. Verse 27, he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning. Seated in his chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join his chariot. Walls separated Philip from this eunuch. The Ethiopian was dark-skinned. Philip was light-skinned. The Ethiopian was from distant Africa. Philip grew up nearby. The traveler was rich enough to travel. Philip was just a simple refugee banished from Jerusalem. Philip was the father of four girls. The official was a eunuch. No wife or kids or plans for either. The lives of the two men could not have been more different. And Philip tore down the wall and went and spoke to the man in the chariot. Verse 35, the rest of the story. Let's pick it up at 35. Then Philip opened his mouth 
And beginning with scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. You see, that's why he made a point of letting us know that this was a desert area because water was rare. And that is the reaction of the eunuch. In verse 36 again, they were going along the road. They came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? Every once in a while you hear us paraphrase that during the baptism ceremony. Here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And the man came to know the Lord Jesus Christ and began to follow in obedience in baptism. Now this is bigger than you might think because until that day, until that moment, God had only dealt with his people in Israel and Judah. Now, for the first time, the gospel of Jesus Christ reached beyond the Jews. Now the Gentiles could come to know the risen Messiah, and they too could become people of God, and the wall came tumbling down. If we turn toward the, uh, toward the epistles, we look at the book of Ephesians and chapter 2. I want to share with you just a few verses here because I want you to see that Philip was only doing what the Lord did. The Lord Jesus Christ was all about tearing down the walls. Philip was following the example of his Messiah, his master. Look in Ephesians 2. We're going to begin at 14. He himself, that's Jesus, he himself is our peace who has made us both one. Well, who is the both? What is he talking about? In this part of Ephesians, Paul is talking to Gentiles and Jews. You see, over what we just read in, in Acts, the gospel has just finally been opened to the Gentiles. Now, by the time Paul writes uh, Ephesians, there are Gentiles and Jews worshiping together. They're in the church together. And so Paul says, look, he is our peace, the one who made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. We build walls. He tears them down. We divide. He unites. We take sides. He died for all. Did you see that word, that phrase? He himself is our peace. He made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. In other words, he broke it down in his flesh means that when he died on the cross, he paid the penalty for our sins of racism and sexism and ageism and all those sins that divide us. Because he died on the cross, it says that he has broken down that wall in his flesh and now the wall no longer exists that would separate us. Because of the Lord Jesus Christ, we now have peace. Look at the next verse in Ephesians. By, yeah, that was fun, by the way. By abolishing, by abolishing the law 
of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man. He says, we used to be two. We used to be Gentile and Jew. We used to be separate. We used to have different labels. We used to sit on different sides. We used to wear different clothes. We had different traditions. But when Jesus died on the cross to pay the sin, to pay the penalty for the sin of all mankind, he provided the way to know the Lord Jesus Christ, to know God personally. He changed us. He changed the human experience. Now we no longer need be two. We can be one. That he might create in himself one new man. Understand that what he did did not make Gentiles into Jews, nor did it make Jews into Gentiles. It made everybody something new. Now, you're not white. You're not black. You're not Asian. You're not Hispanic in his eyes. You're not Democrat. You're not Republican. You're not old. You're not new. You're, now you, if you come to him, are a child of God, period. You've been created something new. And that new is a holy adoption into the family of God. That he might create in himself one new man in place of two. So, making peace. And the next verse there in Ephesians says, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. He makes us one through the cross. Because of what he did on the cross, we are united. In Christ, there is no east or west. In him, no south or north. But one great fellowship of love throughout the whole wide earth. Join hands then, members of the faith, whatever your race may be, who serves my father as his child is surely kin to me. Consider the price that he paid for our sins that separated us. If he's willing to pay that price for our sin and bring us together in him, how can we continue to separate ourselves, to put labels on others, to find reason for division? In his flesh, he tore down the wall of separation. Why would we keep trying to rebuild it? 